0: Good morning. Please turn to Luke 18. It's on page 877 in the Pew Bibles and also printed in the Worship Bulletin. This morning we're pondering another one of Jesus' parables. And in this one, recorded by Luke, Jesus tells a story about two men at prayer, a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, before we read this, it's important to realize that we have the benefit of 2,000 years since Jesus told this story. 2,000 years in which the Pharisees have been thoroughly maligned and discredited. So, if you've ever heard this story before, you know who you're supposed to be cheering for. Plus, we have the benefit of living in an age and a culture that despises self-righteous people. So, we have to work a little bit to put ourselves into the shoes of the original audience to hear what they heard. See, as far as Jesus' audience was concerned, there's a twist ending to this story. And there's a twist for us as well. And it's that we have more in common with the villain of the story than we would really like. So Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray and ask God to give us insight and grace to hear his word this morning. Father, we stand before you and you are holy. And we ask that that you would give us ears to hear your word this morning. We thank you for revealing yourself. Thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this parable that he's told. And we ask that we would be receptive to what you have to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name. A few weeks ago, Hannah Faye and Samantha and Liana and I went to see a movie about Mr. Rogers. And even though I didn't really watch Mr. Rogers growing up, unless it was the part where the trolley visited the land of make-believe, that was the only part I could really tolerate. Um, Even though I didn't watch it too much, I really, really enjoyed the documentary. But there was this segment near the end that made me pretty sad. His wife is talking about Fred, her husband, coming to the end of his life. And he's thinking of Jesus' words about the sheep and the goats. And Jesus described the goats as people who think they have a good standing with God, but to whom God will say in the end, depart from me. And he describes the sheep as those who actually have a good standing with God, those whom God will accept. And Fred Rogers, on his deathbed, asked his wife, Do you think I'm a sheep? And she said something like, Oh, Fred, if anyone's a sheep, you are. Now, that was a comforting thing to say to a dying man. But the truth is that it depends. None of us can say with certainty whether Mr. Rogers was a sheep or a goat because none of us, no matter how many good things he did on his show or in his life, none of us know his heart. It comes down to whether he was trusting in those good things to give him a right standing before God. Whether any of us are truly one of God's sheep depends on what we trust in, or rather, who we trust in. And in our natural state, we trust in ourselves for righteousness. We trust ourselves for righteousness, but Jesus says that's a symptom of self-exaltation, of lifting ourselves up, of holding ourselves in high regard. And he says that if we do that before God, God rejects us. But what we'll see this morning is that God accepts only the humble. So we're going to contrast two approaches to God, the way of the proud and the way of the humble. What is the way of the proud? Well, first, the proud person seeks redemption in himself. He's self-focused. Look at verses 11 and 12. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Notice the Pharisee stands by himself, as if to stay separate from people he considers unholy. Yet he's looking around at them. He's looking down on them. And we know this because he mentions the tax collector. He's comparing himself to others. And he reassures himself of his own goodness. This is one of the marks of pride, and it sneaks in really easily. We're encouraged to compare ourselves to others. If you see someone more successful than you, you think, well, at least I don't have their most glaring character defect. Or you're sincerely trying to live a life of obedience to God and you think of friends, friends that don't really care what God thinks, and you feel pretty good about yourself. And Sometimes this gets so bad that some religious people pride themselves in not even interacting or associating with those outside their religion. The Pharisees looked down on Jesus for eating with tax collectors, sinners. I know some Christians that actually fall into this mode of drastically separating from non-Christians. They forget that if God had left them to themselves, they wouldn't love God either. How easy it is to forget. Also notice how this Pharisee, he mentions God one time, and then the rest of the time he's really praying to himself. I'm not like other men. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. It's like when you say, thank God, but you don't really mean it. He's actually just thanking himself. God is not really on his mind. Not really in his heart. And what's the standard by which he judges himself? Well, it's the law that God gave to his people to keep. Coming to the temple was part of keeping that law. The Israelites would come to the temple to seek God's pardon, His mercy, for all the ways they had failed to keep His commandments. And they were supposed to trust God for that pardon through the system of animal sacrifice that God had instituted. But really, they fell on God's mercy. Those who really got it, they fell on God's mercy. They knew it was only because of God's mercy that they could even be accepted. Well, instead of acknowledging or even noticing The ways in which he'd fallen short of God's commands. This Pharisee comes to the temple. He makes this self-righteous spectacle of himself. And then he recounts the ways that he's kept the law. This is haughtiness. This is ultimate arrogance before God's perfect holiness. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, he writes that the law is a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. We see our need for someone else's righteousness because of God's unreachable, unattainable commands. We cannot live up. But not this man. He seeks a good standing with God by his own works. He's self-focused. He's scornful of his fellow men and he's blind. And from our vantage point, a couple thousand years removed, we cast the same kind of self-righteous judgment on him by thanking God we're not like that. Contrast that with the way of the humble exemplified by this tax collector. What's his significance? Well, he's a sellout to his people. Israel is under the control of the Roman Empire at this time, and this tax collector is one who has aligned himself with this foreign state against his own people and usually cheats them for his own gain. He would have been despised by his brothers and sisters of his nation. This man comes to the temple, and Jesus says he stood far off. He might have even been in the outer court of the temple, too timid to come very close to God's presence. Both men are alone, but in vastly different ways, from vastly different motives. The tax collector is downcast. He won't even look up. He's overcome by the weight of his sin before God. Look at verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. See, unlike the Pharisee, he's actually truly addressing God. And his prayer is just short. But his disposition before God is repentant. It's deeply mournful. He beats on his chest. While the Pharisee is busy watching everyone around him, probably hopes they're watching him, to admire him. This tax collector is here just to beg for God's mercy. As far as he's concerned, it's just him and God. That's all that matters in this moment. His sin is against God and God alone. So he beats his chest without a care for who sees. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus tells us how God renders the verdict on these two men. In the eyes of the people to whom Jesus is telling the story, the Pharisee was the one who would surely be accepted by God. After all, in verse 9, Luke tells us that Jesus is talking to people who trusted in themselves for righteousness. So they have a lot in common. They would have identified with this Pharisee who claims to have kept God's law. He's even gone above and beyond what the law required in his fasting and his tithing. So surely he's going to have a good standing they're going to be shocked. Jesus says it was the tax collector who went down to his house justified, rather than the Pharisee. Look at verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector went down to his house with the gift of a new standing, Before God. That's how John Calvin defines being justified, the gift of a new standing before God. What does this teach us? It tells us that God cares about the posture of our hearts. When we look at God who is holy, we ought to tremble knowing that we're not, and knowing that our sin is an affront to Him. And that should cause us to cry out with this tax collector God, be merciful to me. He's literally saying, God, propitiate me. That is, cover my sin and take away your wrath. He lives during a time before Jesus was crucified. The time when the people of Israel sacrificed animals to appease God's wrath. and Israelite's only hope of standing before God was to cast himself on that mercy. The mercy that God showed. But even so, What God looked for was the posture of His people, the disposition they had toward Him. In the book of Psalms, David says to God, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. That's what God looks for. If you're to be justified before God, you must have this humility. That's Jesus' point. That's His message to His listeners. If you don't have this posture, this humility, you're not justified before God. His wrath for your sin is still on you. You're going the way of the proud. On the other hand, the way of the humble is to come to God for His mercy and His grace that's available only because of Jesus. Jesus was the true sacrifice, the only sacrifice that could actually cover our sin and take away God's wrath from us. And it's because he was blameless before God. He took upon himself the sins of those who believe in him. And that's our only hope to cast ourselves on God's mercy, trust in Jesus' perfection, trust that God accepts Jesus' righteousness on our behalf, in our place. And that takes humility. To no longer trust in ourselves but put our faith in another. This fight between pride and humility, it's the central fight of our lives. Why? Because exalting ourselves against God is the original sin. It's the birth of all sin. To be humble before God is to recognize His rightful place as our creator and our judge. And humility is so very important to God. It's all over the Bible. In the Proverbs it says, Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. And the prophet Micah records, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? And of course, there's Jesus who shows us the ultimate humility by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And because of this, God has highly exalted him. The one who humbles himself will be exalted. What does all this mean for us? Well, first, look at yourself. What is your posture before God? Are you going the way of the proud or the way of the humble? Jesus says in verse 14, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Craig Blomberg puts it this way, whichever one of these two attitudes has reflected our relationship with God in this life, the opposite will characterize our status in the next. Don't ever trade the humble fear of God for taking refuge proudly in your own works. This attitude of humility is ongoing. It characterizes those who belong to God. And once you obtain forgiveness, it continually humbles you. It affects the way you treat others. Look at verse 9. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. It's amazing how closely related the way we treat others is to the way we view ourselves before God. If you think you're righteous, if you trust in yourself... You treat others contemptuously. They don't measure up to your standard. But if you see yourself as you really are, having nothing good in yourself and in need of God's mercy, then you you can't look down on others because they don't measure up to God's standard. But you know that you fail even more. Maybe you're here, you're biased against self righteous people. That's understandable. But don't be self righteous about your sins either. That's pretty trendy nowadays to brag about your defects, to expect to be accepted with your faults and all. We demand that from other people. We say, we have this attitude, if you won't have me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. That's a self-centered, very arrogant way to live. If it's sinful to boast of being morally upright and to trust in that, then it's certainly sinful to boast of our sins. Exalting ourselves is the default mode of our hearts, and we find all kinds of ways to do it. But God accepts only the humble. So humble yourself. Seek His mercy, and then you'll be exalted. What about the Pharisee's prayer? His list of people that he looks down upon? To be clear, it is definitely evil to be an extortioner. And it is evil to be unjust or to be an adulterer. It's good to be fair to be just, and to be faithful in marriage. But Jesus makes it clear that these things don't buy you. your standing before God. Rather, we get a good standing only as a gift of His grace and mercy, through faith and humility. Then we obey God because of our love for Him. It would have been a much different prayer if the Pharisee had come to God, not comparing himself to others, but praying like Jesus taught us. Father, thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. Please lead me not into temptation. Keep me from grief. Help me treat others justly. Please keep me faithful to my wife. That would have been a much different prayer. Those are good things. Those are upright things. But it matters whether we obey in order to get God's approval or whether we obey from a heart of faith that's already received God's mercy. And that's the answer to Mr. Rogers' question. Am I a sheep or a goat? Well, it depends. Are you self-righteously trying to earn God's favor? Or have you sought His mercy and obtained His gift of a perfect record because of Christ? Do you have a Savior who is not you? We sing a song here called Awake My Soul, and it says, No one is good enough to save himself. So awake my soul tonight to boast nothing else. Do you boast in yourself or do you boast in Christ Jesus? And lastly, consider this. What are your prayers like? How do you approach God? Do you approach Him at all? The content of our prayers is important and our disposition is important before God, but it also matters that we are in a living relationship with Him. These men had to go to the temple to pray. The Apostle Paul tells us our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have God dwelling inside us, if you're one of Christ's people. If you're a follower of Jesus, God's Spirit dwells within you, and you have access to Him anytime to confess your sins, to draw near and seek His help. And a lot of times, I know I don't live like that's the truth, but it is. (sighs) May we not be indifferent to God by ignoring Him. That's surely a symptom of pride and relying on ourselves. May we live in his mercy and with gratitude that he hears us when we pray. And may God grant us to humble ourselves that in the end we may be accepted and exalted by him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words. We ask that you would work them deep into our hearts, that you would give us true humility, that we would not exalt ourselves, that we would live before others with grace because of the mercy that we ourselves have found in you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.